Considered us, Lord, that you have offered your forgiveness to us, Lord. We 
We accept that forgiveness, God, and we just love you so much, Lord. We pray that you would just lift us up today, that you would uh, help us to worship you. We pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. 
tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Our God has robbed the God has robbed the
Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12. Daniel, can you adjust, give us a second. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Okay, that's getting... Mark, what do you think? Is that about right? Whatever Mark thinks... Title page, see the one person in the, in the, on the screen that's a little different, kind of stands out from all the rest, talking about being persecuted for the cause of Jesus this morning. We're going through book of Matthew on Sundays. This is the Beatitudes, and the last one is persecuted for righteousness' sake. And the title page says, Make a Difference, and that's what this is all about, persecuted because you are different and because of your relationship with Jesus. So, okay, read with me, follow along on the text, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, it'll be on your screen. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements, you can like to use that, and it will be on the screen. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, let's go ahead with the next screen. There's a couple things uh, when you talk to sociologists and counselors and uh, that he, <clears throat> being human, mankind, humankind, is really important. There's a few things that always come to the top. One of them, that I'm not going to talk about today, but the one that usually comes, like stays at the top, is love. And we have this need as humans to love and to be loved. To love and to be loved. Another thing that comes close to the top is the desire, the human condition, the desire to make a difference. To do something while we can that matters. We've all just got, in comparison, a very short life. When you look in, at all of life, we've got a very short life. We don't live forever, obviously. And to make a difference. We want to matter. It matters to us that we matter. It matters to us that we make a difference. And I realize for some of us more than others, but it's rare. And I don't care what people say. They say, you know, they don't care, but they do. But they, but they really do. I don't care what anybody thinks, but they really do. It's the only reason you've combed your hair today. 
or took a bath or a shower. It's the only reason you do that, because you care. Hallelujah that you do that. I don't care who you are and what you say, you do care. It matters to you that you matter. And it's that human condition to make a difference. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. And that's why there are some Christians who will be persecuted. And I'm not going to go into, I realize that in most of the world, persecution is much worse than it is here. But we don't live in most of the world. We, We live here. Okay, and all we can deal with is a persecution. So it's for us, it's, it's people uh, think bad about you, talk about you behind your back, laugh at you, make fun of you because you're a Christian. Okay, but the only way you're ever going to make a difference is to be that and to do that and for them to see it. So if you're always the same as everyone around you, how can you make a difference? All right, you're not going to. If you're always the same as everyone around you, which is also, oddly enough, uh, a human condition too. We want, we're, we're funny. We want to make a difference, but we want to fit in. There's the rub. There's the struggle. And both of those two things can't always live in harmony with each other. You, you, you can't always make a difference and fit in at the same time. Sometimes you're going to have to make a decision, and we're going to talk about that more. But if you're always the same as everyone around you, how can you make a difference? Of course, the answer is you, you can't, and so you're never going to. You're never going to make a difference as long as your goal is to be like everyone else. As long as, if, if First General Baptist Church wants to be like every other church, what's the fun in that? There is no fun in that. It's the point is to be different and to reach that person who wants that difference. Okay? Okay. We're going to go through the first half pretty, pretty quick quickly and, and deal more, stay longer on the last half. The next screen, righteousness, holiness, makes the unrighteous uncomfortable. Your righteousness, your holiness, your obedience to Jesus, your life in Jesus makes the unrighteous uncomfortable. Now, they're not going to be uncomfortable around you if they can't see Jesus in you. If you don't let the light of Jesus shine through you, if people can't see it, Frankly put, if they don't know you're a Christian, your Christianity isn't going to make them uncomfortable. And I'm I'm not saying that our goal is to make people uncomfortable, just that if we're going to be different, if we're going to be an influence, if we're going to make a difference, uncomfortable kind of comes with it. That's not our goal. We're not trying to make people mad. We're not trying to upset them. But what happens is when they see your righteousness, it makes them uncomfortable because they don't see it in themselves. They really begin to look at themselves when they see you. Now, you're not sure that that's true because they don't tell you that. I want you to know that I'm absolutely convinced that it's true, that you're having more impact than you think you are. You're uh, causing more discomfort in a good way than you think you are. People are seeing you, uh, and I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not going to give you any, any examples because a lot of you are sitting right here. 
But people come to me through the week talking to me about you. Okay? I wonder who he's talking about. I'm just going to let you sit there and wonder who I'm talking about. I, I like that. I'll never forget one Sunday I started to tell a story and then I back, I'm not going to tell that story. One fellow came to me after church, don't ever do that again. I want to hear the end of that story. I said, nope, nope, you got to come back. People come to me talking to me about you and your righteousness and your holiness and you don't know it. But they do. People are watching you and you don't know they are. But your righteousness, your holiness makes the unrighteous uncomfortable. That's how it's done. That's where our, that's where our persecution will begin to lie, is the uncomfortable of the unrighteous around us. So they begin to, they don't like it. They, they'll start talking about you, laughing at you, laughing at your righteousness, laughing at your uh, convictions, your Christianity. Okay, they don't like it. They want you to stop and just, you know, let me, let me, I'm not doing anything. It's just that I'm living for Jesus and you, you're seeing that. Next screen. I think everybody gets that. Your light exposes the darkness. In seeing you, they see themselves. Okay, now you're making a difference. Okay, you're making a difference. And I'm, I'm going to repeat this and I, I'm going to come back to this because I'm absolutely absolutely convinced this is true and I think we forget this sometimes and don't get it sometimes that you're making more of a difference than you think you are okay but the point of the message today is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness blessed are those who get the laughs and the sneers people talking about us behind our back and blessed are you because you are making a difference now I think everybody gets that. That's all been kind of calm. You know, we're going to move on to the next one. Now, now we switch gears a little bit here. And this screen starts out with, this, with the words, for the serious disciple. Here's what happens. There's different, there are different levels of discipleship. And I use the word serious disciple. You can be a Christian and be somewhat of a disciple, but not that serious about it. Here it is. Is that what you want to be? Here's the test. Here's the problem. Is that we do start to get laughed at. We do have people start talking about us. We aren't fitting in like we used to. We don't have as many friends as we used to because we make them uncomfortable. We're not fitting in like we used to. We're not as popular, maybe, as we used to be. We're not as accepted. You know what I mean, on and on and on. There's the test right there. And right here is where a lot of Christians, they're still Christians, they back away. It's getting too serious, and they back away. They back off. No, I'd rather fit in a little more, you know. I'd, I'd rather be a little more popular. I'd, I'd rather have people, you know, accept me a little bit more, and I'd like to be liked a little bit more. And so I'm going to back off my devotion to Christ. And I don't know that we, you know, just make that 
we just do that because right here is that testing point of being really serious about discipleship or not. So from this point on in the message is to those who are serious. If you're not serious, what's going to happen, you're going to walk out the doors and everything for you in your life is going to be about the same. Okay? Because you're not serious. You're okay with being okay. You're okay with the average. Well, the news for you is, you know, that's your choice. But the other news is not everybody's like that. And there are some people who, and I'm not, I don't even know why. They get really serious about Jesus. I mean, they get really serious about Jesus. They start giving their life for him. They start living for him. They start and, and continue a relationship with him that trumps everything else that makes everything else pale in comparison to him. Jesus becomes serious to them. They're serious about him. That's the serious disciple. And for the rest of the time, I want to talk to you, whoever you are. For if you're not one, you like to be one, listen up, okay? If you are one, listen to what God's word has to say. For the serious disciple, Jesus is always preparing you for something as you go from test to test. Now, for the serious disciple in the room, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what serious discipleship looks like for you right now, and I don't know how the world is reacting to you right now. I don't know how maybe unpopular you are. I don't know what opposition you may, you may be having to face. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to tell you that whatever it is that Jesus is preparing you for, he's using that to prepare you for something else, for something next. So he's going to teach you in the test you're going through right now, whatever that is, for all of us it's different, he's going to teach you in whatever you're going through right now, preparing you for what's next. Okay, next screen. Opposition produces purifying, direction, focus, maturity. It's the opposite of petty. And for the serious disciple, that is exactly what Jesus, he's maturing you, he's focusing you, focusing you down. He's getting rid of the petty. There's so much petty that you used to deal with that you're not dealing with. Why? He's changing you and he's growing that out of you. And, and there's one more screen, but we're not going to go to that yet. I'm going to use a story toward the end of the book of Acts. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote toward the end of the book mostly about Paul and his journey to Rome to stand before Caesar. I'm going to use that story. Now, Paul is going to stand before Caesar and testify about Jesus before Caesar, who is arguably the most powerful man in the world. 
So Paul's on his way there. Before we start at the beginning, there's the shipwreck scene. Just before he gets to Rome, he's in a shipwreck. It looks like all is lost. But I love the way the angel says this. It looks like all is lost. It looks like Paul, I'm sure he's thinking in his mind because of what the angel said. I'm sure Paul's thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it there. I'm not going to make it to Rome. But I, I, I do want you to kind of try to put yourself just a little bit in Paul's shoes. If you're going to have to stand and talk to the most powerful man in the world, what are you going to say to him? So Paul's thinking about that, and he's on his way. The shipwreck, it looks like nobody's going to make it. And the angel comes to Paul and says, Paul, take heart. You're going to lose the ship, but no one's going to die. None of the sailors, the soldiers, no, nobody's going to die. You're going to lose the ship, but no life's going to be lost. Because, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. You, I love the way the angel said that. You must stand before Caesar. Meaning, and I, I, don't, I don't live life this way, but meaning, Paul, it don't matter what you do. You're going to make it there. I don't care how bad the shipwreck gets. I don't care how threatening life looks to you. You're, you're, you're going to live through it. You're going to make it because, you, because God's got an appointment for you to stand before Caesar. There's a day, there's a time. God sees you standing before Caesar. You're going to be there. You're going to make it there. You know what? That is the way God sees things. For the serious disciple in the room, listen, I believe this right here is important. I mean, I'm just going to work on this. God's got something waiting for you. Next. There's somebody you're going to talk to. There's somebody you're going to meet. There's something that's going to happen. It's going to include you and your discipleship. Your relationship with, with Jesus is going to be, be put on full view. God, it's, it's almost like God's got an appointment with Caesar for you. There's something He's working you toward. And you don't know it. You don't know what, when, how. But God's got something next for you. And he's working you there. So back at the beginning of the story, Paul's arrested. Before he goes on the ship, Paul's arrested for preaching the gospel. He, go, he starts, he, the beginning, he goes to the Sanhedrin court. So he's standing in front of a bunch of Jews and he has to answer their questions and they question him about what, why are you preaching Jesus? Why don't you just stop? Oh, oh, all right. So he's got to answer the questions before the Sanhedrin court. Okay. They take him from there before the governor Felix. So now he's standing in front of a governor and the governor starts questioning him. It's a common refrain if you know the Bible, if you read, read the story, it, Paul is, always says this. Well, I was on the road to Damascus one day, and I saw a bright light, and Jesus spoke to me. And he tells the rest of the story. And Felix, being intrigued by him, keeps him. He's not done with him. And he stays uh, in prison for two years. Festus, which I love that name, 
not the gun smoke Festus, but then, I mean, when you read the Bible, don't you think about that? And then I would, I was going to do the Festus, the Festus imitation, but I'm just not, I, I'm not very good at it. And now you've got that in your head, don't, don't you? If you've never watched Gunsmoke, for one thing, you're too young. So he goes before the governor, Festus. And what's he going to say to Festus? Governor says, why are you here? What, what have you been arrested for? And Paul said, well, I was on the road to Damascus one day. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why I can't get past this. And a bright light shone, and, and Jesus spoke to me. Now, the rest of them didn't understand what he was saying, but I understood it. I met Jesus that day. Festus, being intrigued, I mean, you, just, you could just let Paul go. Why can't he just let Paul go? Because Paul's got an appointment with Caesar. Why is God doing this? Because Paul is practicing. Paul is practicing. And he's getting, he's getting every appointment along the way. He's getting ready for what's next. So Festus says, well, that's intriguing. I've got a king here, King Agrippa, and his wife. And his wife knows a lot about Ju Judaism. And I, and, and I want you to talk to them. Paul said, well, all right. So King Agrippa comes in, and, and King says, I'll give you the floor. You know what Paul said, right? Well, I was on the road to Damascus one day. I don't know if I tell this story enough, maybe I can get past this point. And I, and I met Jesus that, that day. You know what? He's met with the Sanhedrin court, two governors and a king. And he doesn't talk to them about politics one time. He doesn't mention taxes. He talks to them about Jesus. Okay? He talks to them about Jesus. They could have let him go if he'd have just stopped talking. Why can't they let him go? And why can't he let them let him go? Because he's got an appointment with Caesar that he cannot miss. And so King Agrippa even says so. He turns to Festus and he said, you know, we could have let him go if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. But to Caesar, he must go. And King Agrippa never realized how important those words. To Caesar, he must go. That's right. To Caesar, he must go. And the shipwreck can't stop him because nothing can. Because Gamaliel said it and didn't even know what he was saying. If God is in it, you cannot stop it. So to Caesar, he must go, and he did. Now, oddly enough, because we know from the book of 2 Timothy that Luke was there. Nothing is recorded about what Paul says before Caesar. But, pretty good guess, isn't it? Caesar, I was on the road to Damascus one, one day, and Caesar had him executed. If Paul would have just talked about anything else, anything else, Caesar had made himself God, like a God. Paul comes to talk to Caesar about Jesus, who is the Son of God, therefore being God, unashamedly. Caesar's not going to have that. And so Paul is executed 
for his stand for Jesus Christ. That's it. Nothing else. If he would have just calmed it down a little bit, if he would have just, you know, talked about taxes or politics, Caesar could handle that. But when you're talking about Jesus being God, and Paul wouldn't back away. Next screen, last screen. Uh, with every little bit of difference you are making comes the opportunity to make more difference. I don't care. I'm not accusing our church of being any more or any less. Any crowd I would talk to, there's going to be some in the room who are making all the difference you want to make. You've, you've taken it as far as you want to go. Because going, going further in your Christian faith is going to cost you. I'm going to tell you that's exactly right. I'm not going to, not going to sh sugarcoat that. I don't want to sugarcoat that. Going further in your Christian faith is going to cost you. It's going to take from you. You're going to have to give back. But some of us in the room, that's like the most attractive thing. That's exactly what we want. I want to give more, not less. I'm not here to back up. I'm here to go forward what Jesus told us to do. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Go and do that. And so every little bit of difference you're making comes the opportunity to make more. And again, I'm going to drive this home. Without knowing the specifics, I know this. For the serious disciple in the room, whatever you're going through right now is getting you ready for what's next without you knowing it. You're going through exactly what Paul went through. This governor, this governor, this governor getting ready for Caesar. You know what? When he walked into Caesar, he would have said, hey, I've been through so much. <laughs> this ain't nothing. And he was right. God had gotten him so ready for what he was doing. Okay. Uh, musicians, come on up. That's going to be our obvious prayer this morning is for the serious disciple in the room. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to let the musicians come up here, and I'm going to I want to add one thing before the prayer. It's not what I preached about, but I'm going to add something else to our prayer time. The message has obviously been discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. Mark, go ahead. Uh, it hasn't really been that evangelistic, meaning talking about people being saved. But I don't want to um, miss that time. I don't want to waste our time. I don't want to miss that time. We're going to baptize in a couple weeks. I'm not sure exactly the date we're, we're working on that. But we're going to baptize. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and have never been baptized... When we have our prayer time this morning, I want you to come up and tell me that and say, if you're ready, I want you to say, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready.
I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have received him, and I'm ready to take that next step because that is part of if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we will be saved. There's a lot of ways to confess with your mouth. Baptism doesn't have to be it, but it is one way. Okay? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and never been baptized, when we have our prayer time, I want you to tell me, if you're ready, that you're ready. Okay? If you have never told anyone, if you're ready to receive Jesus, and you've never told anyone, you've never made that step, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat this morning when others come, or if, or if they don't, if you're ready to make that decision, I want you to come and tell me that. I'm ready. I've been putting this off. I've been whatever. I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to warn you this. When you do that, that means that I'm going to baptize you soon, okay? We're not going to put that off, okay? So you gotta, you've, gotta be, you've got to be ready for that. But I'm looking, and the Holy Spirit's looking for people who are ready. I'm not trying to talk you into it. I'm giving you the opportunity. The Holy Spirit's been talking you into it. You will not come if the Holy Spirit isn't drawing you. So if you're a Christian, you've never been baptized, I want you to come. If you're not a Christian, but you're ready to be, I want you to come. Okay, we didn't talk about that much. But also, if you're a serious disciple of Jesus, and you're wanting to go further, you're ready for that next step. And you need to come and pray about that. Well, I, I've, really, I've really been struggling. I'm struggling through this step, but I'm ready to go to the next step. And I need to come and pray about that. If you're not a serious disciple, but you, you're ready to be, hey, I'm ready to get in there. I'm, I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to start using me in ways I've never been used, challenges I've never been through, but I'm, I'm ready. I do not want to waste my life. I want to make a difference. I want to tell people, I want to tell people, you know, I was on the road to Damascus one day. I want to tell people about that. I want them to know it. I want to stop being ashamed of it. I want to make a difference. So I've been saved, I've been baptized, but I'm ready to make a difference in people's lives. I need to come and pray about that. So if you've never been baptized, come see me. If you've never been saved, come see me. If you're a disciple, you just want to pray, come and, come and pray. Come and pray. That's between Jesus and you. Stand with me if you would. Anybody that wants to come and pray for whatever thing while the band plays and sings. We invite Jesus, you to come. Jesus, precious Lord, none on the earth or heavens above that I have found